Welcome to the Carter Report and thanks for joining us. Our topic today is a tremendously vital one. Does the church need a priest today? This is part two. We're going to answer questions like these. Is it necessary for a person to go along to church and confess his sins to a priest? Our topic, does the church need a priest today? Part two. The Carter Report investigates the mysteries of the past as it seeks to interpret amazing predictions concerning our future. John Carter, scholar, writer, and traveler, invites you to join him as he unlocks mankind's most valuable treasure. And the people who are going to be ready for the coming of Jesus and the people who are going to go home to glory are going to be people, my friend, who love Jesus with all their hearts, all their souls, all their minds, and who keep his commandments. And when Jesus comes, he's going to say, these people have walked with me down here on the earth. They're going to walk with me right through the gates of the new Jerusalem. You see? And I want you to be there. Don't you want to be there? Tell me. Don't you want to be there? Are you sure you want to be there? Do you believe it's God's message? And if, if it is God's message, my friend, let us follow the message of God. Let us believe the message of God. Let us have faith in the message of God. And let us step out by faith and follow Jesus and his truth. Don't you think? What a message that is. You know, doesn't this make you excited? My friend, it's the most dynamic it's the most exciting message in the whole wide world you know why it is God's message now thank you madam <laughs> now I want you to come back to Daniel 8 please Daniel 8 so God raised up a movement on the earth that's what the Bible says that's not what I said the Bible said it God would raise up a restoration movement. That is according to the context of Daniel 8 itself. Now, come to Daniel 8, verse 14, for the second time. Daniel 8, verse 14, for the second time. The Bible says, And he said to me, For 2,300 days, that finishes in 1844, Say it with me out loud, dear people. Then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. The Bible says that in 1844, something would happen which was summed up in that little Hebrew expression. Then the sanctuary will be cleansed. The Hebrew word, incidentally, for cleanse is nitzdak. And this word means vindicate, justify, restore, and also includes the concept of cleanse. The Bible says that in the last days, just before Jesus would come in the clouds of heaven, the sanctuary would be cleansed. Now, I'm going to talk to you about the sanctuary. 
I'm going to talk about the sanctuary and I'm going to tell you things about the sanctuary that I guarantee that most of us have never heard before. Now, Billy, please, would you not miss the clue which was given five minutes ago? Fortunately, Billy, we are saved by grace. Now, but he does an absolute magnificent job here every night at quarter to six. Billy Gilmore hasn't missed a single meeting. You know, he's going to have something in heaven. Really is. God bless you. God bless you, Bill. Now, here is the great Hebrew sanctuary. And I'm going to talk now about the Hebrew sanctuary and I'm going to try to explain it to you and I'm going to make it so plain that everybody here in this great auditorium tonight will understand exactly what we are talking about. Here, my friend, is the sanctuary proper itself over here. There you have where the candlesticks are. You have the, the holy place and next to that you have the most holy place. Out here is the courtyard. Let me tell you exactly how the sanctuary operated. Here you have the courtyard, and when a man sinned, God said that he was to bring a little beast, a little animal, a little lamb. So when a person sinned, when a person became conscious of his sin, he came to the ministering priest. And he came, my friend, not in his own merits. I want to tell you something. You and I cannot come in our own merits to God. Did you hear that? We can't come in our own works because our own works aren't good enough. Did you hear that? The only way that you can come into the presence of God, listen to me, the only way you can come in the presence of God is with the Lamb, Jesus Christ, you see. We are saved by the Lamb. And the Lamb is there because right there, look up there. Put the spotlight up there, please. Up where you have the Shekinah glory. Take it up a little higher. Can we have one? Can you see that okay? Is it all right? You can see up there, my friend, into the most holy place. And there in the most holy place is the Ark of God. And inside the Ark of God, my friend, the commandments of God. Remember how we went through this? Right inside the very ark of God, there you have the holy law of God. Do you know what this tells you? God was trying to tell the people of Israel something very, very important. Every American ought to believe it. Every Australian ought to know it. The Bible tells me that the law of God is eternal and nobody can do away with that law. You see, there you have the holy law of God and because, thank you so much, there it is, because men have broken that law. We've all broken that law, friend, haven't you? Have you broken that law? I've broken that law. I don't know how many times I've broken that law, but I have broken that law many, many, many times, many times unconsciously. But we have broken the holy law of God. And because the human race, every one of us has broken the law of God, glory be to God, God has provided a lamb, you see. 
And God was teaching the people of Israel back here as the representatives of the human race. God was teaching them a number of great truths. Number one, that the law of God cannot be set aside. It is always there. Number two, we need a priest. My friend, we need a priest. And I confess my sins every day to a priest. I go, my friend, and I confess my sins every day to a priest. I go to the great high priest, Jesus Christ. He is my priest. I don't go to any other priest. I don't need to go to any other priest because I have a priest in heaven, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is good enough for any man. I want to say, my friend, to my beloved Roman Catholic friends, you don't need to confess your sins to an earthly priest. You have a better priest, Jesus Christ, the Son of the righteous. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. He is our priest. And I say, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise the Lord. We have a priest, Jesus the Son of God. And so when a man sinned, when he became conscious of his sin, he came, my friend, and he came to the priest, and he came with the Lamb. The priest represents Jesus, and the Lamb represents Jesus. And therefore he came to God because he'd broken the law of God, and he came with the blood of the Lamb. Listen, the only way you can ever get rid of your sins is through the blood of Jesus. Because the Bible says the wages of sin, what does it say? The wages of sin, death, death, my friend, with a capital D. And if you don't pay your own wages, well, you've got to pay your own wages unless, my friend, on this occasion someone comes and pays them for you. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ, our great high priest, the Lamb of God, came down from heaven and he paid for our sins. He died in our place. You can't get to heaven by being good. You can't get to heaven by trying to be good. You can't get to heaven by going to church. You can't get to heaven, my friend, by paying your taxes and by being a good husband or a good wife. You can't be saved by what you do. You can only be saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. You see? That is the only way people try to work their way home to heaven by their works. You'll never work your way home to heaven by your works because your works are not good enough. But I want you to know something. While my works are not good enough, Jesus is good enough. And Jesus stands in my place. And that is why John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus coming along, he turned and he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Thank God for the Lamb. I want you to come over here with me to page double one seven six one one seven six Hebrews 9.22. So for the person who put in that question, I want to say to you, you can't be saved in any other way than through the blood. 
because the blood makes atonement for our sins. Hebrews 9, verse 22, dear people. Hebrews chapter 9, and it's verse 22. And this is one of the great and the grand and the glorious texts of the Bible. Hebrews 9, verse 22. The Bible says, And according to the law, that's the law of Moses, the ceremonial law, almost all things are purged with blood, and without shedding of blood, there is no remission. Did you hear that? Unless, my friend, blood is shed, there can be no remission. My friend, unless Jesus should come and die, we could not be forgiven. And what God was teaching His people back here in the Old Testament was the fact, number one, there is a law. That law can never be set aside. That is the holy law of the Ten Commandments. Listen, friend, I want to tell you something else. God placed Israel in the center of the earth. Did you know that? In the center of the earth, God placed a nation. That was Israel. In the center of Israel, God placed a city. Do you know what that city was? Jerusalem. In the center of Jerusalem, God placed a building. Do you know what that building was? It was the temple. In the very center of that temple, God placed, my friend, His sanctuary. Right in the very center of His temple, in the center of His sanctuary, God placed the most holy place. Right in the very center of the most holy place, God placed the ark of God, this beautiful golden chest. Right in the very center of the ark of God, God placed the Ten Commandments. Right in the very center of the Ten Commandments, God placed the commandment that says, remember the Sabbath day. Did you know that? Right in the very center of the earth, in the center of God's economy, God placed the Sabbath because the Sabbath points us to Him who made us. You see? Oh, friend, never walk out of this meeting and say the Sabbath is not important. Never walk out and say, I, I don't need to keep that old Sabbath day. Never walk out of here and say, well, at the best I'm going to keep two days. My friend, don't keep the day of Rome. Keep the day that is called the Lord's Day, Christ's Day, the Sabbath day, because you love Jesus. Now, listen. Day by day, the sinner came to the door of the tabernacle. And day by day, the sinner confessed his sin. And this was teaching us that the only way that we can get home to heaven is by the way of the cross, my friend. It reminds me of the little girl who was lost in the great city of London. And when that big London policeman found her, he said to her, What's your name? And she was so frightened, she was so terrified, she couldn't think of her name. All she could do was cry. And he said to her, What is your address? And she said, 
through her tears, she said, I don't remember my address. Well, he said, can I take you to your home? She said, I don't know where I live. He said, do you know any big buildings in London? Do you live near any of the big buildings? Oh, she said, maybe. He said, do you know the great big church? Do you know St. Paul's Cathedral? The church with the great big cross that is lit up at night and the little girl, her eyes lit up and she said, yes, I know the cross, she said. I know the cross. Take me to the cross. Then I can find my way home. I want to say tonight, my friend, take me to the cross. I say tonight, my friend, take me to the cross, O oh God, and then I can find my way home. What do you say about that? Don't you want to come to the cross? My friend, let us go to the cross. And back there in the Old Testament, in the wilderness, when the children of Israel had just come out of Egypt, according to the Bible, you can read about this in Exodus, God said, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. And God made this sanctuary. God gave it to them. And the children of Israel made this sanctuary because in the sanctuary, God was teaching them the wonderful plan of Jesus Christ and His cross and something else. You're listening? Most Christians don't understand this bit. Most Christians understand what I've spoken about so far, the cross. But in this sanctuary service, God was teaching the people how He was going to clean up the universe. God was teaching the people. Now, my friend, we're getting into new territory. God was teaching the people how one day He was going to have a clean universe and how He was going to blot sin out of the universe and how He was going to bring in the kingdom of, of glory and how He was going to banish Satan. Now, the children of Israel, friend, the children of Israel had a special day. That day was called the Day of Atonement. That day came on the tenth day of the seventh month. As far as the children of Israel were concerned, the seventh month symbolized or typified the last, last day. The seventh month, as far as the children of Israel were concerned, represented, listen to me, the time of the end. The time of the end. I'm going to notice with you now the most solemn, the most amazing, the most significant day in the whole of Israel's religious festivities. The Day of Atonement, the Yom Kippur. I want you to turn with me to page 116 
over here to Leviticus. Now we're going to get into something new for the vast majority of you. Leviticus chapter 16. I want you to notice this in the Holy Scriptures. Leviticus chapter 16. And now we are going to talk about something absolutely new, something we've never spoken about before. We're going to talk about the Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement that came on the tenth day of the seventh month, symbolizing the last things, symbolizing the time of the end. Have you got it there? Leviticus chapter 16. This was a strange ceremony. Remember tonight the Bible says unto 2,300 days until 1844, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. Okay? Then shall, say it with me, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. We are now going to talk about the cleansing of the sanctuary from Leviticus chapter 16. And I want you to notice what happened. Verse 7. Here it talks about the high priest whose name was Aaron. He shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle. He's got two goats. Then Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats. One lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. On this day, my friend, listen very carefully, and then we are going to take you to some texts. On this day, the high priest came out here, and the high priest came with two goats, one lot for the Lord, and the second lot was for the scapegoat. This word scapegoat is the Bible word Azazel. Azazel. And many commentators believe that that word Azazel means the adversary. And so, my friend, here is the high priest and he takes the lots, he takes the lots and he casts the lots over the goats. One lot for the Lord, Jesus Christ. One lot for Azazel who represents the great adversary, the great enemy. My friend, this is a passion play in the desert where you have the great cosmic forces of good and evil worked out. This is really now the story of the great controversy between Jesus and Satan, the two goats. Come down to verse 15. Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering, which is for the people. That goat, my friend, is for the people. That goat would represent who? Jesus. My friend, Jesus died for the people. Never forget it. Jesus died for you. Jesus died for me. You see, Jesus died for the people. And that goat that is slain back there on the Day of Atonement represents Jesus Christ. And through His blood we are saved. And only through His blood can we be saved. You get this? Okay, notice what happens. So he brings the blood inside the veil. Verse 16, So he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel, because of their sin which they had confessed, and because of their transgressions for all their sins. 
And so he shall do for the tabernacle of meeting which remains among them in the midst of their uncleanness. Now we come, the cleansing of the sanctuary. Verse 19. You got that? Over the page, is it? Verse 19. Then he shall sprinkle some of the blood, the blood that represents Jesus. Then he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger seven times. And what is he going to do, friend? Uh, say it loud, come on. And he is going to cleanse it. This is the cleansing of the sanctuary and sanctify it from the uncleanness of the children of Israel. Now listen to me. Try to get the picture. Outside, all of the children of Israel are there on their knees and they're doing a lot of thinking. They're doing a lot of praying and they're doing a lot of soul searching. Here is the high priest and the high priest now takes the blood of the goat that represents Jesus and he goes, my friend, right into the holy place. But he goes further than the holy place. He goes right into the very presence of the Almighty God where the Shekinah glory is ablaze and where the Ten Commandments are. And he goes there with the blood of the goat and he sprinkles that blood and the Bible says he cleanses the sanctuary. This is the most solemn day, the tenth day, the seventh month, indicating, my friend, the very, very last days. 